Hey, it's Garbage Brain University. I'm Drew Toothpaste. I'm Natalie D. Today we're talking... We're talking about colors. Natalie, what are colors? Uh, color is a characteristic of visual perception described through color categories with names such as red or blue or green. Okay. (laughs) So a color is a visual phenomenon. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have any... A color is purely perception, in other words, Mm -hmm. what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So you have photoreceptor cells in your eyeballs, and those are stimulated by electromagnetic radiation that is in the visual spectrum. And so things will reflect different light back to your eyeballs, and that is what you perceive as the color. Essentially, different combinations of frequencies or a, diff- or a different spectra forms different colors. Right. So yeah, colors are the way that a thing looks when you say that it's red. I think this stuff is really interesting, but it's also something that is really weird to talk about because it is something that is like... Well, if you were to hear somebody talking about light, it is describing the phenomena in a way that is completely outside of the perception of it. Right. I think if you're talking about anything other than talking, we, you know what we should do? Let us know in the Discord, patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity. If you're not on the Discord, we could do an episode that's just all a musical episode. We'll just sing. <laughs> we'll just sing the whole thing, did you know? <laughs> Colors are light, but they're not just light. It's the perception of light. <laughs> Electromagnetic radiation. <laughs> Maybe this is the musical episode. <laughs> what if? <laughs> now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. And I want to note that sound is not electromagnetic radiation. Sound is a phenomena that relies on the compression of a medium, Mm -hmm. such as air or water or your house. Mm -hmm. And so sound and light are not related, but I do have an idea that I think could make us a lot of money. Oh, shit. (laughs) Garbage Brain University, million dollar idea. What what if we made a musical, Mm -hmm. but it was really good and entertaining and the audience knew up front nobody was going to come into the group and touch them with their blue hands. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know even that blue man does that, but I'm just assuming just because they do the thing where they have their eyes so wide open, I just assume they're going to come out and grab me. Right. I don't even like seeing it on TV because when they look in the camera, uh-huh. it's going to sound stupid when I say it, but when I look in the camera, I think they can see me not all the way. Uh-huh. That would be ridiculous. I think they can see me about 10%. So I'm trying to imagine like what this musical would be like. So like it would be good and be something that wasn't offensive. I think that all it would be would be like a stoner metal band. Uh-huh. Good start. And it would be like, the show would just be like a stoner metal show only in between songs. There'd be extended periods of narration, like Prairie Home Companion or something. (laughs) And then the songs would be about whatever you're talking about in between the songs. (laughs) I mean, that would be good because stoner metal songs are like... Riding a camel made of bongs across the desert to meet the the ganja wizard. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you fight a pack of bears. <laughs> That's basically all of them. <laughs> I think essentially a stoner metal concert where like in between acts, there was just a wizard that would come up and he would say, the stalwart party traveled to the forest. <laughs> And it was there that they encountered, and then it'd be like, wah, 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 <laughs> an enchanted bong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, enchantment of the bong is the most wickedest track. Because <laughs> I've never, I've been to see a lot of metal and stoner metal shows and stuff. I never had any fear that those guys were gonna come and make me do a dance. Nope, they weren't going to. They didn't want to dance. Yeah. They didn't want to do a dance. They didn't want to look at me. Uh huh. It's very like we're here and you're there. You know, musical shit where it's like stupid. <laughs> like whatever's going on is dumb. <laughs> Dancing cats, and we're also gonna have naked ladies who are Nazis, and. <laughs> It's always, yeah. It's, it's like it's like not cool. It's like not, it's, it's always dumb. I mean, the reason why stoner metal is so relatable to me is because I've received an enchanted guitar before. Sure, sure. I just, <laughs> one time from a music company, they sent it to me and I opened the mail and it was a guitar and it had my name on it and I opened it and it was a perfect cherry red Stratocaster. <laughs> yeah, right on, man. I remember that. <laughs> And it had your name on it. It was addressed to you. Yeah. And it didn't show up on the credit card. No. <laughs> it came out of nowhere, and I didn't even tune it. I was too scared. We were you. You left it in the closet for like a year before you touched it, because <laughs> you couldn't believe what had happened. You were like, it was like, no, we can't. It's like as soon as you, as soon as you take it out of the box, something bad's gonna happen. Yeah. Like you had to let it like equalize in the closet for a year before you would even acknowledge it at all it was like still in the shipping box yeah yeah <laughs> i put it i put it right back you know it they put that plastic on the pickups i mean i didn't peel that off anything the plastic on the pick guard put it right back in that box mm -hmm. didn't touch it you're like nope that's not right <laughs> i was a little i mean Part of me thought, well, as part of me thought, as soon as I open this up, I'm gonna get like a call from this company. They'll be like, "We accidentally sent you Stratocaster." <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And then it's like, ah, oh, well, I played it. Like when you get when you get mail and it's not your mail, but it looks promising, so you open it. Right. You gave it long enough that they had enough time to file their taxes and claim that guitar as a loss before you took it out of the box. <laughs> like they yeah. had already written the guitar off before by the time you took it out of the box. <laughs> yeah, and then that was like 85% of my concern and then like 15% of my concern is that I would get it out and it would be perfectly in tune and I'd be like, wow, that's weird. And then I would start playing and I would suddenly be really good. <laughs> Oh, no. Mm -mm. No way, buddy. Oh, no, I can shred all of a sudden out of nowhere. He's like... I've seen... I've seen the Twilight Zone. You pay for the shred. Right, right. Someone pays for the shred. Someone you don't know. So, okay, so with colors, right? There's... 
the color space, which is the range of colors that you can see with your eyeballs, which are really the only colors that matter if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you can define the color space and identify the individual colors by coordinates numerically. Uh-huh. So you've got most color spaces have three coordinates. Mm-hmm. Hue, saturation, yeah. brightness. Yeah. They set that up in 1931. And then there was a global agreement with internationally agreed colored names on certain coordinates. And the people who did that were called the International Commission on Illumination. <laughs> oh, that's really close to the Illuminati. Yeah, right? Only they were establishing what number meant orange. <laughs> That's useful so you can say pure red and then you can correlate colors and, for example, make sure that when you send something in to be printed, it comes out the color you want it. Right. So one of the color spaces or like the most common one that you would deal with is the RGB color space. So that's red, green, blue, which corresponds to the three cone cell types that are in the human eye, which is why it... Oh, that's why they picked those. Okay. So your red cones do 564, 580, right? Nanometers. Yeah, nanometers. Uh, the green does 534 to 545. And then the blue is between 420 and 440. Okay. And so those are the visible wavelengths. That is a three-dimensional color space, but there are also four-dimensional color spaces like CMYK. Yeah, that's what's used for, for printed material. Mm -hmm. And so CMYK has the fourth color space, which establishes the saturation level of it, like how bright or dark it is. And so other species are able to see more colors than we are. Did you know that? Oh, I believe it. Like, honeybees are able to see ultraviolet light, but they can't see red light. Okay, so they're shifted toward the, the shorter wavelengths. Mm -hmm. So red light is not useful to them. I'd imagine being able to see ultraviolet lets them pick out flowers and plants. Because if, you're, if you were to go out and you were to remove the filter on your digital camera that filters out UV light, or you were to put something on it that shifts the UV light into a visible range or something, you can see the plants and trees and stuff are colored differently. Mm -hmm. I've heard that some people that have their lenses replaced in their eyes can sometimes see ultraviolet light. Oh, really? Yeah, my dad had uh, both of his lenses replaced, and he could see some amount of ultraviolet light. When it came to him like having surgeries and stuff like he had 9,000 surgeries and he never wanted to talk about it yeah <laughs> so that's something that's something science has still not been able to overcome is like the grumpiness of like a 70 year old guy who just got his eyeballs replaced with robot eyes <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Did, your mom got robot eyes too though didn't she like she should you should ask her if she could see the ultraviolet light. I'm really happy about it. The surgery is nightmarish because you have to be awake. Yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> and so they do surgery on your eyeball when you're awake, which is just like that old Salvador Dali movie. Yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> you have to be at a point where you accept the surgery in return for not having your bad problems you have with your eyes. Her vision went to 2020, like overnight, and she only needs reading glasses now, and she can see at night, mm -hmm. which I think probably suggests that she can see things toward the shorter end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Also, like a cat, 
and this is especially visible in a low light if you're over her house or she comes over here and it's and it's dark when she turns her head a certain way it, or her eyes glint like flink. like a cat yeah i'll ask her if she can see ultraviolet light hey mom you see yeah, that but I mean, that light man is pretty sweet. I would just text her and ask her, and then she would either say yes or no. I mean, <laughs> what would it look like? So I don't, I don't understand what it would I mean. That's why I'm interested. What would it look like? Well, I've seen photographs of outdoor scenes that are either not UV filtered or they've been shifted so that you can perceive the UV light in the visible spectrum. Mm -hmm. And it's like trees will sometimes be very weirdly iridescent in the same way where you turn on a black light, which is ultraviolet light, and you'll see shit fluoresce. And fluorescence is different from ultraviolet light. Right. The idea of fluorescence is that you have a chemical that takes in light at one wavelength and emits it at a different wavelength. You excite the molecule so you get him jiggled, right? Yeah. He's jiggling and then he has to let that pent-up energy go so he emits light at a different frequency that you can see. That's why black light posters work. Right. So before we get too much further, the only real color fact I know is that magenta is not a true color. The idea of magenta is that magenta is a combination of the long and short end of the spectrum mm -hmm. because it's a combination of red and blue. And so any color between red and violet, all of those colors have a specific wavelength, but magenta is a combination of red and blue light. So it exists at both ends of the spectra so magenta is only really defined as the visual absence of green. So magenta is not a true color in that you could say magenta, like you could say uh, blue is however many nanometers. Right. You could say this color yellow is like 500 nanometers or whatever. But magenta is just only green equals zero. Interesting. When you're talking about colors on their own, you have primary colors, right? Red blue yellow right and so color theory right is is this theory that was formulated in terms of those three colors used in different combinations to make all the other colors and you have secondary colors orange green purple then you have tertiary colors and all that kind of stuff right yeah then you have the addition of white and black which makes your tints and shades which refers to like lightness and darkness with it. You would also, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I lost my train, baby. I'm sorry, <laughs> let me see here. I, um, I don't think we have to go over how you can mix red, yellow, and blue. Okay. <laughs> I do, when I was, uh, I'll tell you, when I was a kid, you'd get the paints like tempera paints. Uh -huh. And I remember mixing red and yellow and then I'd be like, now what happens if I put some blue in here? And I was like, this makes brown. I never thought of brown as blue. This is fucked. <laughs> right. <laughs> you you ended did you have a job where you mixed paint? I had uh, one of the more interesting and worst jobs of my life. Uh, I used to mix ink. It was printing ink. Mm -hmm. It was very thick. And so what we had was we had a table that was about five feet square and it was covered with glass that was like three quarters of an inch thick. It was incredibly thick glass. 
and we had large spatulas. What we would do is we would get an order from the floor, and it was a factory, it was a can factory. The order would come in and they'd say, we'd need color like PP391. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my favorite color. And so <laughs> I would go to the PP binder and I would pull that one out and I would flip to page 391 uh -huh. and it would say, you need this many grams of red and this many grams of yellow. And so we had these standards. They were, uh, in effect, they were like Pantone colors. Right, right. They were primary colors. And so we would mix those to create a certain color. The company I worked for printed cans for household products. So it was not like Coke and Mountain Dew and stuff. But I know we printed cans for like Raid. We printed cans for like Fix-A-Flat. Mm -hmm. We printed cans for those tins of lighter fluid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just like the most grisly stuff you see in like aisle one of the gas station. Right, right. And uh, you would get these large spatulas and you would weigh them on the scale and you would dump them out on the glass and then you would mix them. And it was like a cold stone, cold stone creamery. Yeah, yeah. Do they still have those? <laughs> I don't know. Or, Maybe not. Uh, but you have these giant, they're like paint trowels or paint scrapers. And we would stir it and mix it until it was a uniform color. And then we would get a tin. It'd have to be perfectly uniform. So I would scrape it all on this glass table. And then I would very carefully ladle it into this tin. And then I would put earplugs in and I would go carry it out onto the floor. And it would be for like press number seven. So I go to press number seven and it'd be like, like all the presses are all running at once and like all the operators had earplugs in so i'd be like hey i got your pp33 <laughs> it's like a lot of nodding and pointing and waving like oh this point at the can like wave point at the can set it on your thing like wave and he nods and i nod and there was no artistry involved i think this is something yeah, it was all physical mixing. You know, it was a very strange... It was right after 9-11, so it was a I really... I think that was the job you had when I met you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't work at the can factory for long. I did have a pair of steel-toed boots that had ink on them all the time. The ink never cured because it was UV cure ink. Mm -hmm. Now... UV cure ink. I know you know what it is now. Uh, yeah, I do. But UV cure means that it is ink, so it's pigments that reflect certain wavelengths of light. And then there is like a plastic compound in there where if you shine high intensity UV light on it, it causes a reaction uh, with the UV light because the UV light excites it at a certain wavelength and it causes it to lock up. But until you shone UV light on it, it would never dry. It was not like Bic pen. It was not like acrylic paint or oil yeah, paint. Never dry. It would never dry. Right. And so I had these steel-toed boots and I had, I, in my car, in my apartment, I had just like streaks of random color everywhere because of this uncurable ink that was always wet. <laughs> I remember you had like a pile of clothes and a pair of boots that were covered in that shit and they just sat there. You couldn't do anything with them. I did. That was my main experience mixing colors. <laughs>
For your professional color guy, though, that's like not many people are professional color makers. Folks might think, oh, you well, you get to you get to make the ink that makes the whole world colorful. But I was just following orders. <laughs> I would love a job like that. That would be like the best job for me. I'd be like making colors, mix, 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 mixing up the colors. Got to do it perfect. Here's your color, sir. Need yeah. another color. <laughs> I mean, at the time, at the time I worked second shift, it was widely held that second shift was the worst shift in the factory. Because if you work third shift, you basically work when people sleep and then you sleep when they're at work. And then like basically between when your kids get home from school and your friends are done at work and everything else, right? Like that's the time you have in common. But second shift during the period when everybody's off work and off school and not asleep, you're at work. And then when they're asleep, you either come home and fuck around by yourself, mm-hmm. right? right? So it's like... It, or you party till four or five in the morning. That's what I used to do when I worked second shift. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my party years. <laughs> yeah, and so I would go... Sometimes I would leave the ink factory and drive to band practice. I'm sure nobody appreciated me like uh, bringing like an old uh, analog keyboard and like an amplifier and some weird like fucking pedals I made. Everything covered in like blue and white ink. That was going to get on everything and never, ever, ever dry. <laughs> yeah, just streaks of ink everywhere. Just like a, just like a human, human stamp pad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so color naming. What, what are we going to name our colors? Why did we name them those colors? The name of a color, right, is the word or phrase that refers to that specific color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it refers to the human perception of that color or to an underlying physical property of that particular color. When you are naming colors, what is noteworthy is when you name a monolexemic color, which means a color that has a name that is unique to that particular color. So green is a monolexemic color. But if you say light green, that's not a different, that's not a separate color. It's it's a different color, but it's still green. So it's it's not, it's not naming a new color. The idea of the original color. It's a, it's a type of green, which is like a root word. Right. Okay. If I said olive. Right. Yeah. That is a new green. It is a different color. That is a, that is a monolexemic color. Okay, yeah, and just when you said olive, I immediately knew which color you meant. Right. That's wild. Try yellow. <laughs> you just saw yellow. Right. That's how it works, baby. Words, baby. Think about it. Like coral. Oh, that's gross. I hate coral. But coral is a, it's like, you could also say light reddish orange. Yeah, yeah. See, when you say light reddish orange, I really have to track through that i have to hop from stone to stone across the creek of my mind right and yet when you say coral pinky orange right (laughs) one of my one of my least natalie what's your least favorite color probably orange pinky orange that would be up there regular orange i don't like either what is it you don't like about orange okay first off i think one of the main reasons i don't like orange is because i wear all black all the time I don't ever want to wear anything orange because it'll make me feel like a Halloween decoration. Oh, okay. That's one one thing with orange. Two, 
I think it's ugly. Three, it really looks bad on me. It makes me look yucky. It's not my color. You know, I I think your skin tone, I think just the way it contrasts when, with your skin color and the way it, like, reflects. If you wear an orange shirt, it reflects onto your face, yeah, right? Yeah, and I'm, like, real pasty, and so when the orange reflects on me, it makes me look weird. I really like wearing black all the time. I'm not, like, I don't splash out with jazzy colors. Though. Some people, like, wear a bunch of different colors, and they look great. I like to wear the same thing all the time because then I feel like... I set up my base level. I wear the same thing all the time. And then if I wear something different, it's because I have a reason to wear something different. But if not, like, I would say 99% of the time I can wear the same thing all the time. Oh, especially now. Mm -hmm. Okay, everybody can easily say their favorite color, but let's hear in the Discord. What's your, what's your least favorite color and why? It's interesting. It's interesting to know. My favorite color? Hit me. Grass green. Ah, uh, that's probably my favorite color too. Ah, that's why we're married. No, I think we got. <laughs> I think that was a health insurance issue. <laughs> it turned into something more. So, oh. <laughs> I met that guy who mixed paint for the can factory in the funeral home parking lot. Married <laughs> him for insur for insurance, and <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Took him to the party where they threw Cornish hens on the, the greasy, floor. Took him to the greasy chicken party and he was mine. <laughs> <laughs> Hands off, ladies. <laughs> Color man's mine. I can tell if you touched him, you got ink all over your pants. <laughs> One of the things with the names of colors is that different cultures don't have necessarily the same names for colors that we do. Some cultures do not have words for colors that we have. And the people who speak those languages don't necessarily perceive those colors as being separate. It's like a linguistic hierarchy thing. Cultures will go through stages and it is almost exactly the same regardless of what culture it is the order in which they progress through these stages where they are naming their colors uh, so give me an example so what the most basic culture what do they have the first stage of naming colors the most basic cultures will have black and white okay so they will say that is more black and that is more white and that is totally white they would say like if they in blood they would say it was black like anything that was a dark color they would dirt they would say it was black yeah, anything in the that sky, was, they would say is white. White. Though. Yeah. Okay. They would anything that was light or had brightness to it, they would say was white, and those would be, those would be the only distinctions that they would make. When they get to stage two, regardless of what culture it is, when once you get to stage two, is when they start naming red. Oh. And the color red. So they would say a bright red object, maybe, or would they say a dark non-red object? Anything that was in the middle that was not bright or, or dark would be red. And so if you, if I would say that rock is red, I would say the grass is red. I would say the dirt is red. That is the word, that is the word that describes it. You gotta start somewhere. You move from stage two to stage three and you will either pick up the word for green or the word for yellow. 
something where you would call the dirt red and you would call plants green. Mm -hmm. Or you would call the dirt red and you would call plants yellow and you would call animals yellow. Or you would call animals red. Yeah, depending on what color the animal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Stage four, you would pick up whatever one you did not get in stage three. So if you had green, then you would do yellow in stage four. If you started with yellow, then you would green in stage four. Okay, so you got red, green, and yellow. So we're irie. Mm-hmm. Right. So you get black, white, red, green, yellow. Those are like the five basic colors that are the first ones that cultures will, will name. Okay. And then after that, it kind of it branches off more. Okay, so blue is an afterthought. Right. So blue water, blue sky, that is... But I mean, if the only thing that's blue is the damn sky in the water, then that that it seems trivial. Right. Usually, blue would usually be the sixth one. And so all, all languages that have, have at least six names for colors, it will be those six colors. Those colors correspond with the different sensitivities in your retinal cells. The order that the colors are named is not only a cultural thing where culture is developing, but it is also constrained by biology. Like the, the, the easiest colors from the sea are the ones that get named first. So the idea is that the cones in the retina are most sensitive to red. They're most sensitive to light and dark. Right, be- right, because of the rods, which are all monochromatic. Mm-hmm. And the rods are, and that's the reason, tell me if I'm wrong, but that's the reason why uh, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're walking around your room and you can very, very barely see anything. But it's it, it seems like it's black and white. Because mm-hmm. your rods are more sensitive than your cones that detect color because... Your cones are restricted to only perceiving a certain part of the spectrum, so you need more light because they're more filtered, right? Right, right. The first thing you see, the darkness, you wake up in the cave, it's dark, and there's moonlight. You see white and black, and then from there you see red. The alarm clock is red. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Typically, after those basic colors, you'll start getting terms for brown, orange, pink, purple, gray, and it's like the the order of those is mixed. After that, then most color naming is relativistic and refers to like specific like traits of colors, like light blue or dark blue or dark red or whatever the hell, right? Seems like it would be more specific to to the actual culture. If you have genes, you would talk about what color the genes are. Right. But one must develop denim. <laughs> In English, there's 11 basic color terms. Really? What are they? That's our language. Mm -hmm. Black, white, red, green, yellow, blue, brown, orange, pink, purple, and gray. Interesting. So pink is just pale red. Mm -hmm. But that still gets a shout out Mm -hmm. in English. Okay. Russian and Hebrew have 12 because they have two separate words for light blue and dark blue. And why is that? To those cultures, the uh, the basic word for it is azure, right? Us calling azure light blue is would be equivalent to someone saying dark orange instead of saying brown in English. Like there's a, there's that color. The color brown is dark orange, but we automatically recognize it as being a separate color. And they're starting to say that turquoise and lilac might be 
possible new basic colors in the English language? I would give to I would say yes to turquoise. I would say yes to turquoise because tur- because turquoise is not same as blue. Lilac, I feel like that's a bridge too far. Uh, what's lilac? Pale purple. Pinky purple. That's dusty. Leave it up to me, and I'm gonna say yes to turquoise, and I'm gonna say no to lilac. You know if you you need the color lilac or not. I think most of us don't. Are you ready to really get into some weird conversations about color? Yes. Are you ready to talk about impossible colors? Yes. Are you ready to talk to talk about forbidden colors? Tell me about the forbidden colors. <laughs> <laughs> impossible colors are colors that would theoretically exist but they do not appear in ordinary visual functioning. Explain this to me. Like, give me an example of an impossible color, maybe. There's two types of impossible colors. There's forbidden colors. (laughs) (laughs) Which... (laughs) And spicy colors. (laughs) No. (laughs) Cursed Uh. colors. Forbidden colors are (laughs) colors that would be seen if the signals that were processed in your visual cortex could be set to combinations which your eye does not produce. Okay. So a forbidden color would be something like the color that you would see if you would be able to block all of one of your cone cells. Okay, so if I could, okay. So if you could block all green light, what color would you see? Magenta. But it's impossible. But it would be an impossible shade of magenta because you're never going to be able to have no. So here's the question: Can you see one of the forbidden colors? Can you use like a a certain lens or an optical filter to see a forbidden color? By blocking out all of the green light? Or or is it forbidden because the wavelengths overlap and so you would trigger your green yeah, cells? Yeah, your, your, your cells are always going to get triggered in some way. And so the forbidden colors are the ones where they are limited by, a, by the way your eyeball works. It would be technically possible to electrically stimulate that in such a way that you saw a forbidden color. Okay, so now the forbidden colors are, they're basically going to be impossible for you to do, okay? The other type of impossible colors is a chimerical color where you are able to see it by manipulating your optical nerves. Okay. So a forbidden and, color is is impossible at any t- in any way to see, and a chimerical color is just what I described. Mm-hmm. So there are colors like yellowish blue, reddish green, and like hyperbolic colors, and and some other kinds of colors, which you're they're theoretically impossible colors, but by looking at images and exhausting certain rods and cones in your in your vision and by exhausting like your muscles in your eyes and making your vision blur you're able to see the colors oh shit really this is some chimerical colors right stegium blue which is simultaneously blue and black and you stare at the first image until you get to, to fatigue state and then and then look at the, the second image and you'll be able to see the, the, the color. 
Oh, I've seen, so essentially chimerical colors are like after images. Right. The idea is that you stare at a yellow dot until you fatigue your receptors. Mm -hmm. And then you stare at black and then you perceive a blue dot that is darker than the black. Mm -hmm. And likewise with staring at images like this until you go cross-eyed and make them overlap in the middle and then be able to see... So there's a yellow field and a blue field, and you stare at them until you overlap them. Oh, shit, look at that. Is that what it's supposed to look like? I can't see it. You're looking at it's it. It's yellow and blue. Let me try it. That's wicked. I've never done that. So there's a, there's a blue field and a yellow field, but you put them so you see one in each eye, and then there's a cross in the middle, and you do the magic eye. Like you get them so you you use the stereo vision of your two eyes. Should you should you be able to do this physically? And you use the stereo vision of your two eyes to superimpose them. So in the same field, you have a black and white cross, and yet in one eye you see blue, and the other eye you see yellow. It doesn't look green. So that's an impossible color. Mm -hmm. We have just seen impossible colors. I'm impressed, Natalie. I don't think I've ever done that before. It's yellow. I honestly expected uh, the left eye is blue, the right eye is yellow. Primary colors. I honestly expected to cross my eyes and see green, and that did not happen. Right. Right, and so the so the so the chimerical colors are the reddish green, bluish yellow, or yellowish blue, whatever the hell it is. There's self luminous colors where you can you get the after after effect of staring at a color, and then you stare at a white field, and then the color that is reflecting on it looks like it is it's self luminous. Uh, then there's hyperbolic colors, which are colors that are impossibly highly saturated, and so. It's the same thing. You stare at something. You stare at something that's pure magenta in the sunlight for a couple of minutes. And then it exhausts your red and blue cones. And then you look outside and it makes all of the green the green leaves and grass outside look bananas. And because you see everything is unnaturally green. Listen, if you're in the Discord, sound off. Patreon.com slash Garbage Brain University. Look at magenta. Look at a magenta. Exhaust your receptors. Look at a magenta color field. 100% brightness on your phone or computer. And then look at the green plants outside. Tell us what you see. I bet you it's greener. Make sure you look at it first so you can tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make sure you look out your window first for the control. <laughs> If you don't look out the green stuff until after you burn your retinas out, <laughs> you're not going to know the difference. If you haven't looked out your window, <laughs> give that one a quick peep first. <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the things with people with the colors and stuff is they try to say that colors like evoke emotions like red. How do you feel about red? I don't think I have emotions with colors, but I think the idea is that they they say red and dark red and stuff is like mean and mad and agitated. And they say that like green, like especially seafoam green is like calming. That's why they always put that in the hospital. Mm -hmm. They're like, calm down. It's just green. Right. <laughs> 
like blue is like low anxiety and calm and comfort and yeah everybody is chilled out in this blue room cloudy colors baby <laughs> uh red provokes anxiety makes people agitated um, they did a study where they had people on the computer and waiting for something to download on their computer. And some of the people, the background on the download screen was blue. And some of them, the background on the download screen was red. Yeah. And they tested to see how it made them perceive the wait time and how, how it made them feel about it. And people who had it red, like they perceived it as taking way longer than it did. And it made them get all freaked out. Really? I, I think that would bug me out if the, if the download window I was watching download was like red, like just like in my face. It's like a very urgent. Yeah, but I don't know. Because like all the pirate shit is always like, it always tries to look cool. And sometimes they try to look cool by having, like, red shit, and they're like, your Flash player is out of date. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't have Flash installed on this. <laughs> it's like 2020, dude. Uh, so heads up if you own Zippy Share, Rapid Share, or Mega Download. Download, bitch. Change the background color of downloadbitch.info to green and <laughs> give us all some relaxation. <laughs> Also, I think you may have stumbled upon a pretty lucrative idea. What's that? Downloadbitch.com? <laughs> I think that's a really compelling name for a service that stores pirated files. Yeah. <laughs> Could you make money off pirating files? That sounds illegal. <laughs> I mean, you can make money doing illegal stuff. It's just illegal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's legal anymore anyway. What is legal? <laughs> I, we'll address this in a future episode. What is legal? <laughs> what, is, what is legal? What is not legal? It's complex. We don't have the time right now. <laughs> no, we're wrapping this color episode up right now. <laughs> this episode was not sponsored by DownloadBitch.biz. <laughs> <laughs> However, it was sponsored by Harlem Township, Delaware County, Ohio, the best township northeast of Columbus, Ohio, and Hazel Technologies, manufacturers of chemicals that keep your fruits and vegetables fresh in shipping and fulfillment. Have a problem with mangoes? Hazel Technologies? Bing it, baby. So what did you learn today about colors? You know, I realize this the same as somebody in the 90s looking at magic eyes of dolphins in a king's crown and saying it's really 3D to me. But seeing yellow and blue at the same time honestly kind of blew my mind. I feel like I'm going to go back and zoom in on the image with the red and green and just really do it. Maybe go on my phone so I can hold it up to my face without getting keyboard in my mouth. <laughs> And just, I'll put a keyboard in your mouth. <laughs> well, if you haven't subscribed, <laughs> patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity, instant access to our Discord chat room, plus all of the paid patron-only episodes. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again to our sponsors. And we'll talk to you again soon. I love you. I love you too. Our relationships. I love you.
love you. Parasocial. <laughs>